Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. China's chairmanship of an international anti-money laundering and terrorism finance watchdog could put to the test the cohesiveness of global efforts to counter political violence, with Iran and Pakistan hoping that they will be able to avoid blacklisting with China at the helm. China takes over the chairmanship of the Financial Action Task Force, or FATF, in July, weeks after the group's plenary in Orlando under the outgoing presidency of the United States gave Iran and Pakistan until October to meet the group's standards or potentially face blacklisting. Both countries face potential sanctioning because they have failed to wholly implement measures and safeguards put forward by Fatah. Struggling to diminish the impact of harsh U.S. sanctions, Iran is likely to be less concerned than Pakistan, that has already been greylisted, about the risks associated with greylisting, such as reputational damage, and the fact that foreign investors and international banks are more cautious in their dealings with countries that have not been granted a clean bill of health. Foreign investors and financiers have largely curtailed business with Iran out of fear of running afoul of the U.S. sanctions imposed since the United States last year unilaterally walked away from the 2015 international agreement that was designed to curb Iran's nuclear program. While Pakistan, dependent on generous financial support from Gulf states and to a lesser degree China, as well as a $6 billion international monetary fund bailout package, needs to evade blacklisting. Iran would likely be less affected as long as the U.S. sanctions remain in place. Despite close relations with China, Neither Iran nor Pakistan can be certain that Beijing will shield them from blacklisting if they fail to comply with Fatah's demands for improved legal measures and implementation of moves to counter money laundering and funding of political violence. China, together with Europe and Russia, all signatories to the nuclear agreement, has vowed to support Iran in a bid to salvage the deal. That has so far failed to produce the kind of economic relief Iran expects or stop the Islamic Republic from saying that it will progressively abandon its compliance as the U.S. sanctions increasingly bite and tension in the Gulf remains high. China's most recent trade figures with Iran show that Iran's exports, including crude oil, declined in the first five months of 2019 by 46.6%. China's exports to Iran slowed by 26%. As a result, Iran is likely to be reading tea leaves as senior Chinese, Russian, and European officials discuss ways of salvaging the nuclear agreement on the sidelines of this week's Group of 20 summit in Japan. Beyond not wanting to jeopardize trade talks with the United States, China is likely to walk an increasingly fine line in balancing its relations with Iran and Saudi Arabia as pressure on Iran is cranked up. Predictions by Chinese analysts 
that China is likely to pay lip service in Japan to countering U.S. policy towards Iran, but in the words of Zhao Tong, a fellow at the Carnegie Tsinghua Center for Global Policy, not devote major diplomatic resources to battling the American position, will do little to inspire Tehran's confidence in Beijing standing up for it in Fatah. The threat of Fatah sanctioning has sparked intense debate in the Islamic Republic about how to deal with the group's demands that it joins the watchdog and significantly upgrade its legal anti-money laundering and terrorism finance infrastructure to evade being blacklisted. Iran's parliament has so far passed two of four bills required for membership in Fatah and together with the Expediency and Discernment Council is debating Iranian accession to the Combating the Financing of Terrorism Convention and the United Nations Convention Against Transnational Organized Crime or Palermo Convention. Similarly, Pakistan has reason not to take Chinese support in Fatah for granted. China did not stop the group from last year greylisting the South Asian nation. China, moreover, is concerned about the safety of its investment of tens of billions of dollars in the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, CPEC, a crown jewel of its infrastructure and energy-driven Belt and Road Initiative. Beyond having been the target of violent attacks in Pakistan, China is worried about the broader wave of violence that Pakistan has experienced. CPEC, linking Pakistan's volatile Balochistan province to China's troubled northwestern province of Xinjiang, is central to the Belt and Road, and a key economic component in China's brutal effort to reshape the cultural, social, and political outlook of the region's Turkic Muslim population. China has reportedly detained at least one million Turkic Muslims in re-education camps, the largest faith-based internment since Nazi Germany hoarded Jews into concentration camps. China is also wary of enhanced Saudi influence in Pakistan and mounting tension between the United States and Iran that could suck the South Asian nation into regional conflict. In security in Balochistan, with its port of Gwadar as a key CPEC node, has prompted debate in China about the country's political and economic exposure in Pakistan. Beijing-based military analyst Zhu Zhengming questioned the wisdom of China's investment in Gwadar. Gwadar wants to be in the shipping business, but it has failed to do so. Pakistan's economy is not very good, and this port has become very wasteful. Under these circumstances, how can China conduct its business? The roads and traffic cannot even be maintained, Mr. Zhu said. That statement and broader discussion in Beijing has not gone unnoticed in Islamabad. As a result, Pakistan, like Iran, is likely to wait for China's adoption of the Fatah presidency with a degree of faintest breath. China's appointee as Fatah president, Jiangmin Liu of the People's Bank of China, is certain to add to the unease. A lawyer with a Yale PhD who was part of a leading New York law firm 
and a fellow at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. Mr. Leo is expected to take a tough position on money laundering and funding of political violence and pressure both Iran and Pakistan to comply with Fatah's demands by October. That would perfectly serve China's interests in avoiding that its Fatah's presidency is sucked into global geopolitical and trade disputes. That may be easier said than done. No doubt the U.S. will want to see Iran blacklisted. Regarding Pakistan, outgoing U.S. President of Fatah, Marshall Billingsley, suggested Washington may adopt a similar attitude towards Pakistan. The Orlando meeting was not the plenary where we would discuss a blacklisting issue. That was the plenary where we examined how far behind Pakistan is on its action plan. I must say, they are far behind, Mr. Billingsley said in his parting, parting shot. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at middeastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.